Progressive News Network and the Environmental Justice Report. This is our combined Sunday show. My name is Janine Moloff, and I am the producer and host. Uh, We're trying something new, so it may not last the entire two hours. That's okay. We set up two hours just in case we need it. Let's put it that way. So if you saw the advert, and I finally got back into my Facebook account, yay, It says PNN, EJR, Stop Mansion's Dirty Pipeline, and Don't Mourn the Queen. And what I wrote is this week on PNN, or Progressive News Network, I will talk about the passing of Queen Elizabeth and the mythology surrounding the royals. You know, while I can offer sincere condolences to any family who loses a loved one, that we have to kind of look and gain a little perspective here. The fact is, Queen Elizabeth lived to a ripe old age. She was wealthy her entire life, never was refused health care, never risked losing her home to bankruptcy. And so sometimes I think when the world is so filled with so many dire problems, it seems a bit out of step to have world leaders mourn this woman that was born into her job, apparently, based on, what, bloodlines, not anything else, and while they ignore the plight of the everyday person, especially the non-wealthy. So, and I want to emphasize also that not, even though Queen Elizabeth uh, was known for her you know, her humbleness, so on and so forth. The fact is, it was, you know, that was her job, all right? But not once during her 70-year reign did she or any of the other royals that I know of anyway ever apologize to the many indigenous peoples attacked and colonized by the British Empire. Not once during her 70-year reign did she ever speak of reparations, The coverage of her passing and the coverage of the younger royals, frankly, in my opinion, is vapid and dangerous. It's time to tell the truth and stop whitewashing the history of not only the British Empire and their role in worldwide imperialism, but every nation that partook of this, including the United States. On EJR, I'm going to speak of the campaign to stop Joe Manchin's dirty pipeline deal. I'll also speak to the dire warning sent by scientists about the future of life on this planet. So we're going to actually reverse it a little bit. (coughs) Sorry about that. We're going to talk about Joe Manchin's deal first, okay? So 
We have a piece, and it looks like most of these pieces come from Common Dreams, but they have some excellent writers. So we have our first piece here, and it is, well, actually, this one's not from Common De Dreams. We had spoken about Joe Manchin's Dirty Deal, and this is from uh, Food and Water Watch, actually. So the piece is a little older, from late August. And the headline is, Manchin's Dirty Deal Must Be Stopped. The subheadline center, Joe Manchin's vote for the Inflation Reduction Act, came with a dirty side deal. If fulfilled, it would be a huge win for big oil. We won't let it pass. And we spoke about this on another show when this was first about to come to a vote. So you can go back. <coughs> Sorry, people. You can go back into our archive and find that show, actually. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry about that, people. All right, so this piece was written by Mia, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, D. Felici, and it was August 26. And this covered several things, including the fact that back on August 18th, uh, Food and Water Watch organizers organized and took place, took action, <coughs> excuse me, with allies in New York City and Seattle. And this was a protest uh, regarding the dirty side deal that Joe Manchin carved out for himself w to get his vote for the Inflation Reduction Act. And, you know, that's as documented by InFoodAndWaterWatch.org. In New York, there were 12 activists. They were, they were just doing a peaceful sit-in at um, the Democratic Majority Leader Senator Chuck Schumer's office, and they were arrested. They just were. They, nothing violent. Notice the difference in treatment, okay? Insurrectionists on January 6th brought weapons of war. They attacked violently, and it's taken a year and a half to bring some of them to justice, to even have the cops do their job. But in New York, these people were in a sit-in in Chuck Schumer's New York office, maybe for an hour or two, and they were arrested. Okay? They were arrested. And again, in Seattle, eight peaceful protesters were arrested at a sit-in in Democratic Senator Patty Murray's office. And she is the assistant Democratic leader in the Senate. <clears throat> in fact, there is a um, Twitter feed here. And you can see these people. Um, some of them are white-haired, and I mean they're older in other words. Um, they're, they've got masks on to protect themselves and others, and they have a few signs. That's it. And for that, they sat down, and for that, they were arrested. But don't you know the corporate Democrats believe in democracy? Not. All right. So in both cities, these activists gathered outside to also protest. Um, and the national organizing manager for Food and Water Watch, um, Thomas Meyer was quoted saying that this side deal, quote, is nothing more than a wish list from big oil, end quote. Food and Water Watch did contact both Senator Schumer and Senator Murray when they did this piece. Neither one responded. So the Inflation Reduction Act that Joe Biden loves to brag about, which, you know, was needed, but it had strings attached. And, of course, Joe Manchin had to strike a dirty deal for himself and really for his fossil fuel donors. 
So basically the deal was for the $370 billion mansion got a promise that the Democrats in charge would introduce legislation to what they call fast-track permit approval for new fossil fuel infrastructure. Now, I don't know how this coincides with the Democrats claiming that they're worried about uh, global warming because the primary cause of global warming is fossil fuel. There's, you know, the science is undeniable. So anyway, Manchin came up with this side deal, all right? And in August, this one-page summary of the deal leaked. And again, we talked about it on the show quite a bit, actually. And the one-pager basically, quote from this piece, quote, the one-pager outlines changes to the National Environmental Policy Act. This act has protected communities for decades by requiring developers to assess potential environmental impacts for major projects and gather community input. With these changes, the bill would gut environmental protections, endanger public health, and sidestep communities, say, end quote. Okay. The one-pager also references a very specific pipeline, the Mountain Valley Pipeline, which carries basically fracked gas. Now, for those of you that are unfamiliar, we've talked about it before, fracked gas, first of all, it's not gas. It's bituminous coal. And it is the dirtiest coal out there, actually. And what they do is it's not liquid, it's not gaseous, it's rock. And they shoot it high-velocity pressure through these pipelines in a soup of what they call um, fracking fluid. Now, nobody knows for sure what's all in the fracking fluid. But we know from past reports, words leaked out, that one of the uh, ingredients in fracking fluid is benzene, a proven carcinogen. Now, we also have other evidence to show, and this is going to be a short show today, that um, if this pipeline breaks and this uh, fracked coal, along with the fracking fluid, hit, gets into a water supply, because a lot of these pipelines are going to be placed underground. The keystone was supposed to be, and it was going to be, the keystone was going to be at one point a few inches above the major aquifer that that uh, produces water for the Midwest. If this bituminous coal and the fracking fluid hits water, there is no way to clean it up. That means that that water source is permanently and irretrievably contaminated. That's it. <clears throat> and we need to be very aware of this because this is a frightening thing. Um, now, the surrounding communities in Joe Manchin's West Virginia don't want the Mountain Valley Pipeline. And this fracked gas pipeline would go through hundreds of miles of Virginia and West Virginia. Now, surrounding communities, albeit not the rich ones, they have fought the pipeline in court for years. And the courts, according to, um, let's see now, that's a little hard for me to see, folks. According to about bgov.com anyway that's the source the courts have struck down multiple permits but they've been trying to get permits for this the courts won't allow it the pipeline the mountain fairly pipeline as well would according to this article cross almost quote 1,000 streams and wetlands and would spew emissions equal to 26 coal-fired plants end quote 
And this is documented by priceofoil.org, which is a non-for-profit group that does excellent research. So what I just said about frack gas, contaminating water supplies, there you go. So apparently this one pager, this deal that Manchin carved for himself and his, his you know, buddies in big oil, big, big fossil fuel, they didn't intend this one pager to leak out, but it did, thank God. Now, the measures, according to this article from Food and Water Watch, quote, the measures in the leaked one pager would tighten the timeline for NEPA review and put even more strain on tax federal agencies. As Appalachian Voices points out, this could force agencies to take reports by developers at face value rather than doing their due diligence to fact-check claims. And that is as documented by appvoices.org. Um, you know, once again, why in the world would any environmental regulatory agency take the word of a for-profit company that is producing fossil fuel, take their word that everything's hunky-dory? That's asinine. Again, they didn't intend for this one pager to leak out. And again, um, we did a show on this when this first happened back in August. So... After the one-pager leaked, according to Food and Water Watch, a draft of the legislation uh, came out as well, okay? And that's for, as documented by aboutblaw.com. Now, and it bore a watermark on the legislation, API which is the acronym for the American Petroleum Institute, which is the lobby group for fossil fuel. Okay? Now, according to this piece again from Food and Water Watch, quote, the draft legislation will require the president to create a list of 25 projects with, quote, strategic national importance to be fast-tracked through the permitting process, and at least five of those items must, quote, produce, process, transport, or store fossil fuel products, end quote. There's also more in this piece where it says, quote, additionally at least two, two of those projects, must be for bogus carbon capture scams. This would lead to more pollution and more dangerous carbon pipelines like the ones that Food and Water Watch is fighting in Iowa. And that's according to foodandwaterwatch.org. Uh, when they're talking about corporate, this, excuse me, when they're talking about carbon capture scams, um, it, it isn't just Joe Biden, okay? Um, the Obama administration pushed it heavily. Um, I think even Trump did somewhat. And the fact is there is absolutely no evidence anywhere worldwide to prove that carbon capture and um, storage actually works. None. But we're banking on this, apparently. So, you know, once again, we see a tweet from Alex Beauchamp where New Yorkers were swarming outside of Senator Schumer's office, um, demanding he kill the dirty pipeline deal. And, you know, you can find under hashtag kill the dirty pipeline deal. The thing is this, and this is where I get very irritated. You know, Food and Water Watch is saying under one of their captions, a side deal with big oil isn't democracy. And it's not. Okay, I don't care 
what little verbal side deal or in writing that they made with Senator Joe Manchin. I really don't care because it's not in the interest of the people at all. You know, they need to break that deal. Manchin was dumb enough to sign off his vote. Fine. Sorry, Joe. You yeah, Bye-bye. This is outrageous. This isn't democracy. In fact, this side deal is more the way like mob bosses would work. And, and I'm not just ragging on corporate centrist Democrats. The fact is, when it comes to fiscal policy, money policy, and when it comes to a big part of our economy, which is fossil fuel, there is practically no difference between the Democrats, the corporate Democrats, that is, and the Republicans. They take money from the same side, albeit Republicans get more money from it, but once again, keep in mind, the largest beneficiary in the U.S. Senate of fossil fuel money, call them what they are, is alleged Democrat Joe Manchin. Make no mistake about it. This is about systemic corruption, and one of the pushes in this new format that we're experimenting with is the idea, this is Combining the two shows, this is all about exposing systemic corruption, period. And it won't stop until enough people come together and demand that it stop. That's it. You know, whether it means a national strike where everybody except maybe true emergency workers just sits down and doesn't work, I don't know, but something's got to happen. The rich... You know, I, I make no secret about the fact that I, I don't like big corporations and I don't particularly care for extremely wealthy people. And it's nothing personal. It's just that – so let me amend that statement. What I don't like is the extreme political power they are able to bribe, they are able to purchase over the rest of us. I don't care if they're rich. What I do care is that they, a rich person, a billionaire – as, uh, you know, an Elon Musk or a Jeff Bezos should never have more power than the poorest of the poor here. That's just a fact. They've made a mockery of our government, and it has to stop. And, you know, if Senator Schumer is, become, is showing that he's that corrupt, then you know what? Time to get somebody else to do the job. Time for Senator Schumer to retire. Let's find a good progressive to lead. So that's what's happening here. And, you know, again, you can tell your rep to stop this dirty deal. Apparently they're going to go through with it. So now I'm going to go to the next part of this, all right? So basically you have on Common Dreams, all right, this is a piece that was written by Lakeisha Lloyd, and it was published September 10th. And... To give you a little information about Lakeisha Lloyd, uh, according to her bio, quote, Lakeisha Lloyd is a climate justice organizer for Common Defense. She is a disabled Army veteran who served from 2001 to 2010. Lakeisha Lloyd organizes around issues concerning the impacts of climate change and the need for renewable energy jobs for veterans. She's a resident of Charleston, West Virginia. So, you know, if Joe Manchin ever listens to this, which I doubt, you know, here's one of his constituents calling him out and calling out Chuck Schumer. 
and there's this picture of Schumer and Manchin, and their heads are tucked like they're the best of buddies. You know what? I wouldn't care if it was Moses himself. If Schumer is proving himself to be as corrupt as Manchin, then they both have to go. Okay? These these senators and presidents and Congress people, they should no one should be above the law. So now the headline for this piece is release the dirty permitting bill draft now. So this permitting would also allow, as I recall from the last show we did about this, I believe it would also allow permitting uh, um, by per fossil fuel permits, even on public lands that we own, all right, where they lease it for pennies while they basically pollute even more. And then to add insult to injury, as I recall from the earlier piece we did on the Mountain Valley Pipeline itself and the one-pager, fracked gas, as they call it, in other words, fracked dirty coal, it's it's not even slated to be sold here in the U.S. It's slated to go to China. This is basically both parties just thumbing their noses at us. Okay, we are acceptable collateral damage. Your kids' horrible asthma is acceptable collateral damage to both parties. Your parents' uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder is acceptable collateral damage to both parties. It doesn't matter. The fact that communities have undrinkable water because fossil fuel pipelines polluted, that's, again, acceptable collateral damage from both parties, because make no mistake about it, the two parties are both corporate. You won't get any honest reporting or honest representation unless you go to true progressives, and I don't mean Pelosi. Make no mistake, Nancy Pelosi is not a progressive. Barack Obama, not a progressive. Um, you can go down the line. None of these people are progressives. Progressives are people like the squad, Cori Bush, Tlaib, uh, Rashida Tlaib, Elon Omar, Bernie Sanders, these are uh, Ayanna Presley, um, and I'm probably forgetting people, and I apologize. These are the real progressives because they didn't sell out to big money. They're actually fighting for us. Make no mistake about it. So, when your conservative family members or friends say, well, Pelosi's progressive, or she's a liberal. No, she's not. She never was. She's corporate and always has been. Make no mistake about it. Barack Obama is not a liberal. You don't have to go any further than check his old voting record when he was a rep in Illinois. It's right there. We've been scammed, people. And it's time to demand the truth. It's time to demand accountability and transparency. And, yeah, it's time probably for a bunch, a, a wave of ongoing national strikes. But let me get back to this. So Lakeisha Lloyd wrote this piece that also published in Common Dreams. And the headline is, Release the Dirty Permitting Bill Draft Now. It goes on to say, quote, if Congress establishes a permitting system that disempowers communities and weakens environmental protections, the clean energy industry build out the clean energy industry build out will come at the expense of the most vulnerable in our society. And boy, she said it exactly right. 
do you honestly believe that these dirty pipelines will traverse through Tony gated communities? No. But they will further pollute and and damage adults and children in lower income areas and middle income areas as well. As I said before, we are all acceptable collateral damage. Make no mistake about it. Okay. So Miss Lloyd starts out saying, you know, she's a West Virginian veteran, and she is. And I'm just going to read this first part here. Quote, as a West Virginian veteran, I appreciate that person's right to speak to speak out is a cornerstone of our democracy. For decades, people across the country have voiced their concerns about polluting facilities in their neighborhoods as part of the federal government's review and decision-making regarding permits and projects. She goes on to say, quote, whether you call it the permitting reform bill, the polluter loophole bill, or just Schumer's deal with Manchin, there is legislation in works that threatens to change bedrock environmental laws in ways that would curtail or even remove the ability of communities across America to influence whether or not they'll have mining or fossil fuel projects built near their homes, end quote. So don't be conned by the promises of the Inflation Reduction Act. Yes, requirements for electric vehicles, that's lovely, providing you can afford it. Uh, clean energy materials, they're going to be sourced domestically, she talks about. Again, lovely. But it goes, it comes along with this basic, uh, it's a basic repeal of environmental laws for local communities, so they have no rights at all. That's it. So, of course, Congressional leaders in both houses kept the details of this dirty deal secret. They had to. And again, the leaked version of the bill contained the watermark, you know, on the fancy paper, that watermark of the American Petroleum Institute, which, you know, again, is a lobby group for for fossil fuel. (laughs) So this is about changing those environmental laws and really uh, neutralizing them so they are essentially uh, impotent, okay? The permitting would be railroaded through. There wouldn't be a transparent and public discussion. And, you know, Miss – I'm sorry. It's been a long weekend. Miss Lloyd goes on to explain – that there was an MIT study, and again, this is from uh, sourced from ScienceDirect.com. There was an MIT study, quote, on 53 big clean energy projects showed that the National Environmental Policy Act, or NEPA, the law this legislation takes aim at, wasn't the limiting factor in the time to completion, and that early engagement with potential local opponents can avoid extended delays or, or project cancellations. She goes on to say, quote, in other words, the law that brings in public participation and environmental considerations actually proves helpful rather than a source of delay for clean energy infrastructure projects. She also quotes a study conducted by the Forest Service, and it was published in Columbia's Environmental Law Journal that came to the same conclusion. 
okay, that the NEPA law, the National Environmental Policy Act, which requires uh, basically you have to consult with the community that's being affected. You have to do an impact study. It doesn't delay anything. The studies show that there's, there's, there's no delay there. So why would Joe Manchin and the Petroleum Institute push for this? Because they don't want to obey the law. That's why. This, the excuse that it would delay permitting is nonsense. It's not only a lie, it's an incredibly stupid lie. The real intent is to just dis, be able to technically, legally get away with breaking the law regarding the National Environmental Policy Act or NEPA. That's the only thing. Make no mistake about it. So, so she goes on saying, I'm going to read this straight from it because it, it, she really paints a picture here. <coughs> Excuse me. And again, the Forest Service um, article published in Columbia's Environmental Law Journal um, not only came to the same conclusion, but they uh, they found, quote, that a robust NEPA analysis led to faster permitting. They just couldn't get away with stuff. She goes on to say, quote, as a West Virginia, uh, I'm sorry, let me go again. Quote, as a West Virginian, I know that my family and my neighbor's health and welfare depend on sensible permitting processes and strong environmental protections. Absent those protections, I know that my family in Monroe County, West Virginia, will see waterways polluted and become toxic, end quote. Isn't that what he just said before? She goes on to say, quote, those waterways provide their drinking water and water for their livestock and farms. Even under the existing system, I watch as my family in Flint, Michigan, continues to suffer due to polluted drinking water. If Congress guts the existing protections, I will watch it happen all over again. If it becomes easier to build gas pipelines through our backyards, like the Mountain Valley Pipeline, then the land, air, and water we depend on risk being poisoned, and us along with it, end quote. <clears throat> and she just basically says, those negotiating the bill, she's demanding, release the draft. She's calling them out, and all I can say Miss Lakeisha Lloyd is God bless her. She's right. We're going to be talking more about this on EJR. Um, today's just kind of an overview. So now we're going to go to our second part. Okay. Hmm. So a lot has been said about the passing of Queen Elizabeth. And as I've said before, I will always offer my most sincere condolences to any family who's lost a loved one. That being said, however, the not only the media attention, but the fact that multiple American presidents are going to all show up there, including President Biden, when they couldn't be bothered to show up to help us fight for rational mitigation strategies for covid they're going to show up for her funeral when they couldn't be bothered to show up for voting rights, to pass that, to end the filibuster, so voting rights could be passed. You know, and again, maybe it sounds like I'm mixing apples and oranges, but what I'm saying is this disconnect 
where very wealthy and powerful people, you know, expect everybody to drop whatever they're doing when one of the very rich and powerful passes as they walk past unhoused people like they're, you know, dirt. It's ridiculous. You know, we need some perspective here. She had a long reign, 70 years, and she wasn't the worst. She wasn't the best. I think what confuses me is here in the United States, while it's diplomatic to be polite to, you know, visiting monarchs, we don't believe in monarchy here. Fused it. And, and so as an American, will I ever bow to a monarch? No. It's ridiculous. In fact, the very concept of monarchy to me is just really insulting. The idea that there are certain bloodlines that are granted divine right to rule over the rest of us, no matter how unjust. There is no justice in that. I don't believe in it. So, you know, if I saw this, it it really bothered me. And then I started looking. So there's uh, a couple of pieces. Like, for instance, even on ABC, the reporter, as she was fawning all over the royal family, she said, yeah, but there's, you know, there's been some talk about how the British crown is going to respond to, you know, its its bloody past regarding colonialistic conquest. And, you know, she thought she was being very with it, I guess, but not enough. Okay. Not enough. Uh, you know, this is something that has to be dealt with. And so there were several different pieces. There was... Um, there was one in the New York Times, but um, I'm not a subscriber, so I found this one by Brett Wilkins, who is a, a man of color, so I understand an excellent reporter, actually. Not actually, he's an excellent reporter. My bad. Um, the It was in Common Dreams. The headline is, after Queen's death, victims of British imperialism share why, quote, we will not mourn, end quote. And it goes on to say, quote, this is Queen Elizabeth's legacy, a legacy of colonial violence and plunder, a legacy of racial segregation and institutionalized racism, end quote. You know, I, for the life of me, do not understand how Meghan Markle was shocked when British subjects showed their racist tendencies towards her and towards her children. I mean, she can't be that naive. She should have expected it. It was wrong. It was evil. But (coughs) think about it. The member of the royal family (coughs) can't be protected. What does it say about life under colonial rule for the average person of color who doesn't have that privilege? Okay. So one of the quotes they have here is from Julius Malema who is the head of the left-wing Economic Freedom Fighters Party in South Africa. He was quoted as saying this, quote, We do not mourn the death of Elizabeth, because to us her death is a reminder of a very tragic period in this country and Africa's history. He goes on to say, quote, Elizabeth ascended to the throne in 1952, reigning for 70 years as the head of an institution built up sustained and living off a brutal legacy of dehumanization of millions of people across the world. End quote. He go, Julius Malema goes on to say, quote, 
During her 70-year reign as queen, she never once acknowledged the atrocities that her family inflicted on Native people that Britain invaded across the world. She willingly benefited from the wealth that was attained from the exploitation and murder of millions of people across the world, end quote. Okay. There's a, a tweet here from Karen Atea, A-T-T-I-A-H, um, and she says the following, a woman of color, quote, Black and brown people around the world who were subject to horrendous cruelties and economic deprivation under British colonialism are allowed to have feelings about Queen Elizabeth. After all, they were her, in air quotes, subjects too. Okay? Malema went on to say the following, going back to Julius Malema, quote, The British royal family stands on the shoulders of millions of slaves who were shipped away from the continent to serve the interests of racist white capital accumulation at the center of which lies the British royal family, end quote. You know, he puts it out there. It's the, it's the historic truth. Whether or not she was a nice lady is not the point. The point is justice. There was another um, commenter, Larry Madowo, who, and I saw his tweet. He is a CNN international correspondent from Kenya. And he said during a broadcast this past Thursday, quote, that, that, quote, the fairy tale is that Queen Elizabeth went up uh, the treetops here in Kenya, a princess, and came down a queen because it's when she was here in Kenya that she learned that her dad had died and she was to be the queen. But that also was the start of the eight years after that that the British colonial government cracked down brutally on the Mau Mau rebellion against the colonial administration. They herded more than a million people into concentration camps where they were tortured and dehumanized, end quote. And he said this on air, and that's, that is a, Larry Madowo is a very brave reporter. Okay. Uh, Madowo went on to talk about, uh, as well as rampant torture, according to this, and as documented by um, independent.co.uk, there was, quote, systemic castration of suspected rebels and sympathizers, often with pliers. Oh, my God, it's just it's hideous. You just, woo. Um, he goes on to say that British forces, quote, and their local allies, massacred unarmed civilians, disappeared their children, that means kidnapped them, or worse, sadistically raped women, and clubbed prisoners to death. And that is um, the massacre part as documented by allafrica.com, disappeared their children, again, allafrica.com, the rape, according to cambridge.org, care journals, and the clubbing of prisoners to death, that was from the BBC.com. All this is documented. Madoa goes on to say, quote, And so, across the African continent, there have been people who are saying, I will not mourn for Queen Elizabeth because my ancestors suffered atrocities under her people that she never fully acknowledged that, end quote. So, and then this article by Brett Wilkins goes on to talk about how Instead of apologizing for crimes that uh, the U.K. committed during colonialism and ongoing, you know, 
or even offering any sort of compensation or reparation, the British government launched what they called Operation Legacy, and that's as documented by TheGuardian.com uh, back in 2013. And Operation Legacy is this big uh, attempt to, according to the article, quote, erase evidence of colonial crimes during the period of rapid decolonization in the 1950s through 1970s, end quote. So, yeah, they decolonize. I don't. I. I wonder if they decolonize in terms of investment. That we'd have to investigate. But they decolonize in terms of actual um, occupations of foreign lands. But in conjunction with that, they push this Operation Legacy project that the British government paid for, the British taxpayer paid for, that basically whitewashed everything, make it look like it really wasn't that bad. Okay. Um, you have this tweet from Nisafawa's feminist duck. Okay, so this woman here, um, her name is Mutoni Masenge, and she's, I think, the same age as Elizabeth. This tweet says she's challenging Queen Elizabeth. Um, quote, reminder that Queen Elizabeth is not a remnant of colonial times. She was an active, this is according to Feminist Duck, she was an active participant in colonialism. She actively tried to stop independence movements, and she tried to keep newly independent colonies from leaving the Commonwealth. The evil she did was enough. And on DW News, um, they talk about Muthoni Mathenge. According to this, she was, quote, she was tortured with axes during Kenya's struggle from in, for independence from colonial rule. This is a little tiny woman of color. Um, they attacked her. They, they hacked away, I think it was at her legs, with axes, if you can imagine that. And DW News goes on to say, quote, as Britain celebrates the platinum jubilee of its monarch, this old fighter wants to send her a message. Quote, let Elizabeth bring what belongs to me, end quote. So you also have another, this time an academic, uh, Cornell University professor Makoma Wanagugi, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing it, tweeted the following. And this apparently this Cornell professor is originally from Kenya. He tweeted the following, quote, if the queen had apologized for slavery, colonialism, and neocolonialism, and urged the crowd to offer reparations for the millions of lives taken in her that backslash their names, then perhaps I would do the human thing and feel bad. As a Kenyan, I feel nothing. This theater is absurd, end quote. There's another um, remark here from an activist with the Organization of Solidarity with Yemeni, Yemeni Struggle, somebody named Aldani Markey, said that, quote, Queen Elizabeth is a colonizer and has blood on her hands, end quote. Um, oh, I stand corrected. Aldani Marquis goes on to say the following, quote, In 1963, the Yemeni people rebelled against British colonialism. In turn, the queen ordered her troops to violently suppress any and all dissent as fiercely as possible. The main punitive measure of Queen Elizabeth's Aden colony was forced partitions of native Yemenis into Yemen's desert heartland, end quote. 
there's a picture of the young queen. And it looks like she has a sword in her in one of her white gloved hands. Okay? Markey goes on to say, quote, this is Queen Elizabeth's legacy, a legacy of colonial violence and plunder, a legacy of racial segregation and institutionalized racism. The Queen's England is today waging another war against Yemen together with the U.S., Saudi Arabia, and the UAE, United Arab Emirates, he added, end quote. You have another comment. This is from Melissa Murray, who is a Jamaican-American professor at a little place called the New York University School of Law. So she knows her stuff. And she said, regarding the Queen's death, the following. Um, excuse me. She said that the Queen's death will, quote, will accelerate debates about colonialism, reparations, and the future of the Commonwealth as the residue of colonialism shadows day-to-day life in Jamaica and other parts of the Caribbean, end quote. Okay. Uh, there were many observers that noted how, you know, the British Empire stole from India. It's estimated that the plunder was around 45 trillion with a T, and that's according to aljazeera.com in, in 2018. Um, and that is over two centuries of colonialism. Uh, there were millions of deaths of Indian nationalists, nationalists and also mention of how the Kohinoor, apparently it's one of the largest cut diamonds in the world, has an estimated value of $200 million, was stolen from India, quote, to be set in the Queen Mother's crown. And that's according to Twitter.com. Again, Indian economist, a woman named Manisha Kadian on Twitter, wrote the following, quote, why are Indians mourning the death of Queen Elizabeth II? Her legacy is colonialism, slavery, racism, loot, and plundering. Despite having chances, she never apologized for the bloody history of her family. She reduced everything to, quote, a difficult post episode on her visit to India. Evil, end quote. Uh, let's see now. There's Uju Anya who tweeted, quote, if anyone expects me, and apparently, um, I think this is, she's a historian, quote, if anyone expects me to express anything but disdain for the monarch who supervised a government that sponsored the genocide that massacred and displaced half my family and the consequences of which those alive today are still trying to overcome, you can keep wishing upon a star, end quote. It affected half of her family. An Indian historian tweeted, uh, quote, there are only 22 countries that Britain never invaded throughout history. British ships, tra British ships transported a total of 3 million Africans to the New World as slaves, an empire that brought misery and famine to Asia and Africa. No tears for the queen, no tears for the British monarchy, end quote. Okay. There were some darker criticisms um, in Dublin. Uh, there were there was a crowd. Uh, according to t uh, Twitter, there was a crowd singing. I don't even want to say this. Lizzie's in a box at a 
Celtics football match. Um, I won't go that far. That's, you know, but um, an MSNBC contributor, Caitlin Burns, tweeted, quote, I'm Irish, hating the queen as a family member, end quote. Uh, there were Welsh leftists that, uh, including the Welsh Underground Network, that tweeted many reasons why, quote, why we will not mourn. And they go on to say, the Welsh Underground Network, quote, we will not mourn for royals who oversaw the protection of known child molesters in the family. We will not mourn for royals who oversaw the act of destruction of the Welsh language and the Welsh culture. And see, there's more here. It's, the queen is dead. We will not mourn. Um, I, I will read this whole thing. This is very telling. So the um, this is a statement from the Welsh Underground Network. It says the following. I'm reading it exactly. Quote, we will not mourn for royals who oversaw the paramilitary death squads in the occupied six counties. We will not mourn for royals who oversaw the brutal concentration camps of those fighting for freedom in Kenya. We will not mourn for royals who oversaw the protection of known child molesters within the family. We will not mourn for royals whose entire wealth and importance is predicated on centuries of slavery in the Caribbean and in Africa. We will not mourn for royals who oversaw the creation of the genocidal Israeli state who invaded Egypt alongside them. We will not mourn for royals who oversaw the brutal massacres and famines upon the Indian people. We will not mourn for royals who oversaw the active destruction of the Welsh language and the Welsh and Welsh culture. We will not mourn for royals whose crimes are too many for a single sheet of paper, whose crimes are too hidden to be known by intention. The queen is dead. We will not mourn. End quote. Very telling. Mm. So even um, there is a research director at the National Iranian American Council, somebody named, uh, let's see if I read this correctly, uh, Asal Rod. And they've been fighting, you know, decolonization. He said, he tweeted the following, quote, if you have more sympathy for colonizers and oppressors than the people they oppress, you may need to evaluate your priorities, end quote. I agree with him. You know, so, you know, once again, um, I can express condolence to people that have lost a loved one. But I, I'm not only concerned about the media attention that this is getting that's out of proportion. Okay, she she didn't um she didn't stop global warming. She didn't find a cure for cancer. I mean there's so many things and you could say, well, she's the spirit of a nation, perhaps. But I have a problem, especially with our political leaders here, with several American presidents going funeral and express and gushing over her and expressing more sympathy for the royals than they do for their own people suffering here at home. I have a big problem with that. I just do. And then, you know, on a final thing, it's like I said, it's a short show today. I was watching Face the Nation, and they had the British ambassador to the United States on. Her name's Karen Pierce. It was today on September 11th. Okay, it's 9-11 on top of it all. And yet the queen's death has overshadowed everything. And 
you know, for one thing, Ambassador Pierce has an unfortunate name, which honestly, after listening to the woman talk, it's an unfortunate first name, but it suits her. She's a Karen. Now, those of you that are in any sort of uh, uh, anti-racist type um, fight, okay, where you know you're calling out uh, racism, if you watch The Young Turks, um, especially with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, you will see that a woman being called a Karen is a very bad thing. These are women that white women that are uh, so privileged. They the law applies to everyone but them. You know the worst of the worst. Well, I've got this transcript in front of me. Okay, so Margaret Brennan is talking to her, and you know we're joined by Dame Karen Pierce. Now, Karen Pierce came from. I looked up her bio. <laughs> she came from. A modest family. She wasn't a royal, but she married a a man who has a title. Okay? And, um, you know, it's Margaret Brennan opened this up by saying, quote, President Biden reminded the country that Queen Elizabeth said, quote, grief is the price we pay for love, end quote. And she said after 9-11. once again, it's easy to say nice things, especially if you don't follow through with action. Talk is cheap. And they talked about, you know, the outpouring from very wealthy people and the outpouring from politicians, you know, uh, gushing over Queen Elizabeth. And, you know, Karen Pierce loved that. But then Brennan mentioned that... um, you know, there's some other issues, you know, going on as well. Uh, you know, specifically, um, there, I have some notes here. You know, specifically about the, um, you know, the concern on equal rights on for all Commonwealth members, okay, and the British um, Empire's past history of colonialism and when she was asked about those concerns she gave this really vapid comment on how all members of the commonwealth have equal rights quote regardless of what kind of government they have end quote you know and she specifically talked about how you know whether it's monarchy or or republic or what you know and she tiptoed around and i know she's an ambassador so diplomacy is her you know her profession, if you will. But that really bothered me. And then when she was asked about colonialism and about how, you know, there are many people and groups, especially in communities of color, that are not mourning the queen and are calling out the British Empire's history of colonialism, of slavery, of genocide, state-sponsored genocide that was still occurring under Elizabeth. All right? she felt that the interpretation was too negative. Now, I had to talk about that because then afterwards on the same program, they had um, the ambassador from Ukraine. Um, and I wrote down her name. Good Lord, where is it? Um, can't find it now. 
The U.S. ambassador to Ukraine was such a different person. Here, the Ukrainian ambassador to the U.S. is talking about, you know, how a lot of Ukrainian children have been kidnapped by the Russians. And these families are terrified for their babies. You know, they're trying to avoid a nuclear catastrophe because Russian troops keep shelling nuclear power plants. And the Ukrainian ambassador was so strong and dignified and, um, you know, she was just a hero. And when you compare it to um, the British ambassador to the United States, to Dame Karen Pierce, all I can say is Karen was true to her name. She was a Karen in every sense of the word. Um, you know, this it, what she said, it really sounded like the old argument for civility and a politics of incrementalism, you know, where we will get there eventually, be patient. And as Dr. King said, if not now, when? Okay? That's the bottom line. Queen Elizabeth ruled for 70 years. When? And now you see, and really since the time of Charles's, now King Charles, his first marriage to Diana, the um, monarchy became popularized because everybody loved Diana. And then Diana's kids got married. And, you, and now we have Meghan and Harry who came to the U.S. But the fact is we should not be distracted by this popularity contest. We should be looking at what is actually happening to people all over the world, how they are being damaged by colonialism, how they are being damaged by rampant corporate excesses, how they are being damaged by, you know, corporate governance in every country, including the U.S. Make no mistake about it. This is what's really going on. So while I can, as a human being, offer condolences to any family who loses a loved one, you know, to Charles and his sons and his wife and so on. I will not mourn Queen Elizabeth. I can't. That would be too big. That that would just be sheer hypocrisy. It would cheapen my arguments. No, I will not mourn the Queen. All right, so that's our show for today. As you can see, it was eh, about an hour. Um, we're putting things together. We're going to be having some new stuff in here. I'm, I'm actually investigating what's happening on the PNN side, in the auto industry, and other manufacturing sectors regarding the chronic abuse of our workers. Uh, on EJR, and I know I said we were going to talk about scientists, the future of life on this planet. You know, one of the largest glaciers up in the Arctic is on life support. You know, once again, we, we're not going to go into that too much today. Um, of course, nobody expected the queen would die like that either. But the fact is, um, we're going to be covering more and more of that. So if you join us on Sundays, um, you know, it's both shows. You know, sometimes it'll be more of one than of the other. But, you know, that's what we're really talking about. And um, I, I'm not going to say God save the queen or God save the king. What I'm going to say is, God save us all, and especially God save promise of true rule of law and democracy. And with that, that's our show for today. 
Oh, God bless us. We're certainly going to need it. <laughs>